In Revelation, I've been going through it, right? We're on, I don't even know what part. 27. No, I'm just kidding. Not that many. Um, but last week, I, ta- I kind of, we finished up the seven sealed scroll. We finished chapter seven and a little bit of chapter eight. And we talked about the seven sealed scroll and we went through and what the scroll meant and what each seal was as it was released into our lives and the meanings of it and how it played into this. But, and I spoke about it a little bit and I probably want to hit, I, I really want to drive home this point so I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. Of how when we take Revelation, the book of Revelation, and we take this seven sealed scroll and and we want to westernize it in a uh, um, linear timeline and how that really messes up our understanding of it, right? So, let me break it down. We... Uh, I'm trying to remember where I was, where I was going to go with this. I'll just change it in my mind. Here's the deal. When understanding Revelation and what we've been talking about, we want to go, okay, in a Western mind, we want one, two, three, A, B, C, right? And... We want to be able to understand. We read it and we go, okay, this is supposed to happen and this is supposed to happen and this is supposed to happen. And that's actually where we get a lot of our issues. Because you know that as Americans and Western people, we want it all. We, we were very time-based people. In our very language, we have, you know, when and what time. And we even have words to identify time. And we want everything in a line and we want it all to play out. You go to other places in the world, and that's not a priority. That's not as important. Time, uh, yeah, you know, you go to Brazil or something like that, they're going to have a few hours difference, not going to make a huge one. But you, you go to other places in the world, and, and they're not, it doesn't matter near as much. And a, a Western person is going to want, you know, do you guys own a uh, linear timeline Bible? Where they, have you, yeah. You know what I mean? You guys know what I'm talking about? Well, only you would own one. <laughs> because only you would care, care about that. Because the Bible wasn't set up all, all perfectly in that way. There's different timelines and different things because it's telling stories in different ways. But only an American would go, ooh, I want, a, I want a linear timeline Bible, right? And so that's our mindset. But the problem is with that is that when we come to Revelation and we take this linear mindset is that the kingdom and revelation especially works circular of its painting it's almost like slowly painting a bigger picture of one thing it is not a timeline but it is a revelation of a person right and because the word says that he leads us on circular paths of righteousness i talked about this last week and i'll probably say it again because i love it so much But in the Psalms, you know, it says he leads me on paths of righteousness. Well, a better translation is to say circular paths of righteousness. Why? Because Jesus is our shepherd, right? And as a shepherd, he he shepherds us 
up the mountain. You see, when shepherds would take their sheep up a mountain, they couldn't go straight up it because their sheep weren't strong enough and they would die on the way and it would be too much of a strain on them. So what they would do is they would slowly go in circles around this mountain and they would get higher and higher. Right? And so David in his prophetic utterances of knowing that we would have a shepherd savior said, he's going to shepherd you just like, because David knew what he was talking about because he was a shepherd. He's going, he's going to shepherd you in circular paths of righteousness. He is taking you on this path of the Lord and he is going to slowly bring you up there. The great thing about that is, is that in the kingdom, when you fail a test, you don't just fail and get kicked out and sorry you can't come back. You get to take it again. Right? I said this last week and I'm going to harp on it a bunch because I love this. I truly love this. Because think about it in this way. With Western people, we go, okay, here's me, I'm being born, this is me dying, you know, this is my life, and here's on this linear timeline, and this is God's plan for me, and I've got to work out my, you know, what his plan is for me. Well, then life happens, sin happens, you make mistakes, and here you are years later, and you go, oh my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? I messed up God's plan, because you were on this, this straight line you were thinking with God, and this was his plan, and you know, and then you have cute little graphs of, oh look, he draws a new line, whatever. But in reality, a Western mind takes this, and I've had teenagers, and, and you hear people talking about it when they mess up my life. What do they all say? Oh, can God use me? Or, or did I mess it up too much or whatever? You know? And, and, and people ask that all the time, and, and they're so worried because they're thinking, oh, I, he wanted me to get from A to B, and I messed that up, and now I can't, I, I can't get it done now. Oh, now he killed the breaker. So, there it's back. Okay, wrong breaker. So, <laughs> but in reality, God says, oh, you messed up, you failed the test? Cool. I'll just have you take the test again until you get it right. You're going to just go back around. He says, you failed the test, take it again. Until you get it. He's not in a rush. You didn't mess it up. And I, I made this statement last week, and it's really quite funny. Is I said, if it feels like you're going in circles in your life, it probably is true. <laughs> if you're like, man, I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've done that before. Well, you know what? You probably did. <laughs> and maybe you messed it up last time. But the great thing is God, in his infinite mercy and grace, goes, ah, oh, it's okay. We'll just circle back around. Because he says, I'm taking you glory unto glory. He doesn't say, I'm taking you from no glory to glory, period, dot, and we're over. He says, no, I'm constantly, we're going higher. We're going to the mountain of the Lord. We're going up this mountain. And so we need to get out of that. We need to get out of that Western mindset. And we need to get into this mindset. So when we come to Revelation and we go and we see these seven sealed scroll and they're broken off in these things are released. And when you get in, in chapter 8, when the seventh seal is broken, instead of it being over, there's seven trumpets. And then you get to the seventh trumpet, and oh, there's seven bowls. And, it just, and every, one, every seventh one breaks open something new. 
And so what you have happening is that people take it and they go, okay, oh yeah, here's, here's these seven things that are going to happen. And they're trying to lay out their timelines and all stuff. And then, oh no, oh, here's seven more things that are happening. Oh, and here's seven more things that are happening. And so, you know, with the, with the seals, you've got the sun, uh, the sun going dark and you've got stars falling and like the whole universe is basically ending. Oh, but there's more seals and now you can't buy and sell. Oh, and now the water turns blood. Oh, but then there's a war, right? And they, they try to make all these things because we're trying to play it out, A, B, C, one, two, three. But in reality, I propose to you that what if it is not a linear timeline of the end, but it is actually a circular revelation of the man of Jesus. And that the first seals being broken is the revelation of him inside of you, living through you. But we know that revelation is not enough, but that we have to be initiated into it. And then we have to fulfill it. So rather, the seals being released is the revelation. The trumpets is the announce, announcing of the... Um, oh, what, did I, what was that word I used? It was... Revelation, initiation, and consummation. The, revela- the seals of the revelation. The trumpet is the initiation. It is call- A trumpet, what does it do? It calls you to arms. It calls you to battle. It wakes you up. It gets you going. It initiates you into it. But it's not the completion. It is not until the bowls are poured out that it is the consummation, the completion, or the inauguration. But it's all painting one picture. And it's just giving you a wider view each time. But it's not the timeline. It's actually breaking these things down. Because we see that the, the first seal is uh, something released on the earth. Well, the first trumpet is something released on the earth. The second is on the sea. The third is with the, uh, 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 the stars. And... And we see that all the way from 1 through 6, they actually are quite paralleled. Each thing that is affected on each seal, trumpet, and bowl are the same thing. It's just a different picture and a different measure of it. Okay? And so, that is what we begin to see in this. And so, I, and I talked about that last week, and I... I kind of spoke about that a little bit. But I really want to bring and try to drive that home. And you might be sitting here thinking, ah, okay, I'm not getting this. I'm not getting this. Well, let me, uh, let me give you a big macro view of some of this. As we've been going through this, we've kind of just been going verse by verse. But tonight, it really is a turning point in the study because... We're, we've hit a point that things actually begin to change. And so if we look at Revelation, we see chapter 1 is Jesus is seen as the exalted king priest. Right? We get this picture of him and we go, wow, that is awesome. And then with chapters 2 and 3, we see Jesus is seen ministering to his churches. Right? We see Jesus in the candlestick realm of him, how he speaks to his churches, how he ministers to them. We see him in a different light. 
And then four and five, we see Jesus as the glorified Lamb of God, worthy of all worship. That's when we come into the throne room, right? In John's vision, he comes into the throne room. We see Jesus as the Lamb of God and all of the ecstatic worship that surrounds the throne. But then in chapters 6 through 18, and that's where we're at right now in the middle of that, is Jesus is seen as the refining fire, the undisputed judge of the earth. And that, and that wording may seem a little strange, but 6 through 18 is actually it's showing the picture of Jesus inside of you as a purifying force, transforming you into the image of him to be the bride of Christ. Right? That, that's, that's, that's what the 144,000 was. It was Jesus multiplied in his people and him bringing us in the process of him. It was the four horsemen being released into our world and to us that it comes to purify, that it comes to kill the flesh, that it comes to set free, that it comes to conquer you, right? And, in, and we'll come back to that in a second. But in chapter 9 and 19, we see Jesus as the conquering king of kings. We get this picture of Jesus coming, and he's, he is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords, and he's coming to conquer. And then in chapters 20 through 22, we see the picture of the heavenly bridegroom is unveiled and, is, and the reality of his new Jerusalem. So, I have to take you back to verse 1. I actually have to, uh, maybe a little more than verse 1. But you guys have got to get this. Go, turn over to Revelation 1. 1. Here's the deal. As you're turning there. All of this is a picture painting for us Jesus. Jesus is the center of everything. Jesus is the center of it all. Right? Because verse 1, 1, it says, This is the unveiling, or your uh, version might say revelation. This is the unveiling of Jesus. Period. That's what this book is about. It's about Jesus. It's not about the Antichrist. It's not about the Mark of the Beast. It's not about God killing a billion people before he comes back or whatever, all these things. But in reality, it's about Jesus. So put that in your mind. And so we see, and so it just is painting different pictures of him. Oh, we get to see Jesus as the king of the universe. We only knew Jesus as the one who walked on the earth humble and meek to die for our sins, but we needed a picture of him as the exalted king of kings, and so we get that. And then we need to see what it's like when he loves on us as his church and he ministers to us. And then we need to see what happens when he gets a hold of us and begins to purify us into the image of him, that there was a purpose for his dying and for his raising. What is it that he died for? What is happening inside of you? And then what is he coming back as? He's coming as the king of kings, and what was it all for? It was for his bride in the New Jerusalem, which you are the bride and you are the New Jerusalem. It describes you as the New Jerusalem. And Hebrews speaks about you as the New Jerusalem, that we, we are the place of his dwelling. Right? But this is why it's so important. 
It says, this is the unveiling of Jesus, which God gave to him, Jesus, to share with his loving servants. Listen look very closely. Did you see what just said? This is the unveiling of Jesus. So this is, this is showing you Jesus that God gave to Jesus. You get it? This is, this is a picture of Jesus that God gave to Jesus. So it said right there. <laughs> Why is that? Think about it. What this is, is that Jesus said, I'm going to become fully a man. And he was born as a baby. And somewhere in between being born and starting his ministry, he had, he had to get the revelation of who he was, that he was the son of God, and that he was destined for a purpose, and that he had come to live and to die for something. He needed that revelation. Now, he probably got it before 12, because when he was 12, he was in the temple, and his parents left him. <laughs> And when they came back, he told his mom, don't you know that I'm about my father's work? That means he got the revelation that he was the son of God and that he had work in the kingdom to do. That means Jesus himself needed to get identity. It says that Jesus grew in obedience and faithfulness. Jesus had to grow in it. And he also had to come to a revelation of, I'm the son of God. Come for this to save the world and to pay the price for my bride. So get that. that this book right here is what Jesus got. Because it says it right there. That means that Jesus got a revelation and it was God showing him, you are my son that I love and that I, you are going to reign with me on the right hand of my authority and that you are going to be able to inhabit every person that comes to you and you are going to get to transform them into our image and we're going to get to be one with them as we are one together and then you're going to turn them into a holy bride a great multitude of people that we are going to marry and they are going to serve and worship before the throne for eternity that's why you have to live this life so that they can know how to live their lives and that's why you have to die so that we can redeem them and you have to raise so that we can empower them and so he gave him revelation and then Jesus gets to heaven. I'm using a little bit of creative license here. He gets to heaven and he goes, you know what? I want to give it to them now. Because it says, this is the revelation of Jesus, which God gave to him to share with his loving servants. Which he uh, clearly made known by sending his angel to his servant. So Jesus got this revelation and gave it to an angel. And the angel gave it to John. And it says it was symbolized to John. That's pretty exciting. So the great thing is, when now Jesus gets unveiled, you get unveiled in him. You get that revelation. And so he goes, all right, I'm going to share with you our, the secret. I'm going to share with you what I want to do. I want to kill the flesh inside of you, and I want to bring life in, out. I want to make you an overcomer. 
I want to make you. I want to make you victorious. I want to give you the crown of life. I want to give you the gift of the bright and morning star. That's Jesus. And so, <laughs> this is also. I, I was thinking about this last night, and I thought, Oh my Lord, what if? You see, Jesus got this revelation right here, and He changed the world. So what if we get this revelation? Think about it. This is the only book that promises you, if you read it and listen to it, you'll be blessed. Why? Because you get Jesus out of it. Uh, you get Jesus out of all of them. All right? You know what I'm saying, right? But this is the only book that promises you a blessing. It is a religious demon that keeps you from this thing. Because this is glorious. The idea and the picture, Satan had a great plan. He said, man, I'm going to make it about God blowing up the world because he's so mad at everybody. And by golly, his son got in the way. But then one day I'm going to get to just blow that place up, right? And kill all these people and send uh, locusts the size of Volkswagens and it's going to be great, right? And, and, and so it's put so much fear into people and so much anxiety. Why? Because he's so scared that you're going to get this thing. You're going to get blessed by it and you're going to get what it's saying. And that you're going to find Jesus in this and it's going to set you free. There's no more excuses. There's no more excuses. The, the word, the Antichrist, is not in the Bible. It's the spirit of Antichrist that has already gone out in the world. The rapture is not in the Bible. It's not there. And this is what I think about that. We're so busy trying to get sucked up out of a world that Jesus paid the ultimate price to bring heaven into it. Think about it, people. Jesus paid not just enough to get you saved. He paid enough to get heaven into this world. He said, every time you pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means his goal was to get heaven into earth, not you out of this world into heaven. So stop trying to get sucked up there. Bring heaven. The goal is not just to get you saved. The goal is for you to become the unveiling of Jesus. Why did Jesus give this book to us? So that we could become that unveiling of Jesus to the world. You see, the idea that we just have to survive and not sin enough so that we can make it into heaven is the most dangerous theology ever. This is not a book about why you have to perform and try to be pleasing enough to God. But in reality, your life is the unveiling of Jesus to every person around you. When they see you, they're supposed to see Jesus. You're supposed to bring Jesus into this world. It's not about you trying to earn God's love. It's not about you trying to be good enough. If you fail, you're just going to go back around the mountain. It's fine. It's about you beholding the sun and then reflecting him to the world. That's what this book is painting. So this is the revelation of Jesus. 
and he paints this picture and he goes, oh, I'll show them how I'm going to talk to them and love on the churches. I'm going to show them what I'm like, that as I am in heaven, so are they to the world. And then I'm going to show the scroll and I'm going to paint a picture of me coming into their world and into them and purifying them. You see, even in chapter 17, if you don't believe me, even in chapter 17, the angel has to tell John what some of the pictures are. In verse 7, 7. Uh, in chapter 17, verse 7. And I'm not going to read it or anything, but I just, when you are reading it, the angel literally tells John, oh, why are you astonished? He says, this is what the woman means. This is what the wild beasts mean. And he's telling him in there, these are pictures and images. And this is what they mean. So if he had to explain to John some of the pictures and images that they were actually allegories of what God was doing, then the rest of these pictures and images of the language of Jesus of allegory is actually trying to give you heavenly realities so that you can get them into you and into your world. So, it's all about Jesus. I'm going to say it over and over and over and over. It's all about Jesus. Stop making it about all these things that are just going to make you depressed and scared. We're sitting here waiting for God to come save us because things get so bad. But the only promises that he has given us is he said the whole world has to. Every tongue, every nation, every people group has to hear the gospel. My people have to be saved. My his promised Jewish people. And he says, and my people have to get the mind of Christ. They have to be sealed with the mind of Christ. That's what he's waiting on. He's not waiting on things getting so bad to respond. He's waiting on you to get the revelation of him. Here's the deal. When Jesus was on earth, he never responded to what the devil was doing. He only responded to what the Father was saying. He says, I only, I only say what I hear my Father saying. He never went, oh, the devil's doing this. I better do that. No, he went, no, I only respond to what the Father is doing. So if Jesus never responded to what the devil was doing, then why would he respond to what the devil is doing on the earth of why he has to come back? That's not the determinant factor. The determinant factor is what is the Father saying? That's what the determinant factor is. And that's what he is looking for. He's coming back for the bride. I hope hope this is connecting with you. I hope you're getting some of this. And if not, one day you'll wake up and it'll just be like, boom, you'll get it. Because here's the deal. The seals are the revelation of the process of Jesus inside of you being unveiled. The trumpets are the announcing of the initiation into it. But, and you see in the trumpets, a third of the earth, a third of the ocean, it's, it's painting a picture that there's partial things, that it's not the full completion of it. 
nothing's completed and then the, the bowls are being poured out it's the finishing work of Jesus inside of you you realize that when the seals are broken the, the, the scroll's not read did you know that? The seals open the scroll, but nobody's reading it. That means it's not something for you to get mentally so that you can be like, oh yeah, it's an experience for you to release you into something else. And it's trying to bring you into that revelation. You see, when you walk in a revelation and have a revelation understanding of it, not in your head, but in, in your spirit, you will have the gifting to work in it. When you have a revelation of healing, you operate in healing. When you have a revelation of His goodness, you will see His goodness. When you have a revelation of whatever it is, the prophetic, you'll operate in the prophetic. Is that you have to have a revelation is not just head knowledge. Revelation is a spiritual impartation that He's giving to you. This scroll, it, an angel takes the scroll of revelation and gives it to John and he says, eat it. It's got to become part of you. You've got to buy this, but you can't pay money for it. The, the kingdom operates on a financial system of faith. It tells you to buy cloaks that are clean, uh, a, a pure uh, robe. It tells you in here to buy salve so that your eyes would be open. But this is not something you can just buy with money. So how are you paying for it? To buy something, you take it in faith. And so when you get this revelation, it's the, the way the kingdom works is you buy it with faith. Maybe you've experienced this. When you're sitting here, when I've been talking, you might go, ah, I'd buy that. And that's you going, oh yeah, I'll take that. And that's the way the kingdom works. Is he go, yeah. And with faith, I am, I'm going to buy that. And that's how the kingdom operates. And so if we will buy this with our faith, we'll say, yes, I'm going to take a hold of this. Then we'll possess it. And we'll have that revelation. And then God will say, all right, I want to start taking you through it. Guys, as soon as you walk out of here and you go, yeah, I believe that. And you walk out. Tomorrow when you wake up the next morning, you're not going to be the perfect unveiling of Jesus to the world, right? I'm it. I'm perfect. No, you've got it now. And you go, oh yeah, I, I'm going to be part. I want that. But that doesn't mean that it's done. That just means that you've just begun. And so, that is what I believe Revelation is painting for us is this picture of Jesus. And we'll get into... And, you know, to be honest, as we carry on, I don't actually think I'm going to go through all the trumpets and all the bowls and all the things. I might actually do like a high point thing where I run through them, and then we might look at the uh, Jesus' victorious king and the bride and the New Jerusalem, some of those things. But I, I don't know, actually, if I'm going to go through all of it because we've... We've painted that picture. We've seen this revelation that he's speaking of. But I just really, I'm so, this book will bless you so much when you get this.
because there's no more excuses. There's no more, there's no more room for fear. There's no more room for anxiety. There's no more room for doubt. It's just Jesus. Get a hold of Jesus, right? That's what it's painting for you. It's pretty simple. I think a lot of the people right now, we're, they're so busy talking about, oh, this prophecy is being fulfilled, and this thing, and look, and this is Gog and Magog, and this is this, and this is that, and oh, yeah, the world's going to get terrible, and we all got to move to Costa Rica or something like that, you know? Oh, there goes the breaker again. So, but, uh, wrong breaker! <laughs> um, but that is not what God is doing. I think people that are speaking that and pushing that forward aren't hearing the Lord. Because the, the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. Oh, there we're back? Yeah, we're back again. But anyways, I will... I'll stop harping on that for a little while. Probably not. I'll probably be back next week doing the exact same thing. Because I want us to get what Jesus is trying to give us. He doesn't want you to have to perform. He doesn't want you to have to survive. He wants you to thrive in his spirit and become what he's destined you to become. And that's Jesus. And that means that the, the works that Jesus did... You can do them too, and greater. Why? Because we read Revelation and we went, oh, he is trying to perfect us into that equally yoked bride, that perfect unveiling of who he is. He is going to birth a generation of people. And I'll talk about this probably next week, about the Feast of Tabernacles is supposed to be fulfilled. And that is the point that there is a great harvest coming. And that the something that is going to be birthed out of the church is a generation of people that are going to have the seal of God on their head. And there is going to be a great harvest. Between uh, Passover and Pentecost was 50 days, but between, uh, but between uh, uh, Pentecost is five months. There's a period of time there. And, and then there's some things in Revelation that is really exciting about that. But I won't get into that. I will let you all burn up later. So, what is all of this saying for you? What this is inviting you into, and this is how I'll close, is it's inviting you into an intimate relationship. Get off your rapture rug. Stop looking for the Antichrist. Stop looking for the millennium that was made up too because people didn't believe it could happen for your life. Stop putting everything that is good in heaven and start putting it in your life. What this is calling you to is to stop waiting around for the fear-mongering people to tell you what to do, but in reality to draw you into a relationship. Is that Jesus wants to come into your life and not just save you, but to transform you. Salvation means sozo, saved, healed, delivered. He wants to totally transform you and he wants to come in and make, he wants to bring the Garden of Eden back into your life so that you walk with him every single day. This is an invitation to intimacy and love and relationship with God. That's what this is all about. Sorry, there's not big, one big scary ending to it. No, it's Jesus. He loves you. 
That's what this is inviting you into. That's what your life is actually meant to be, is in a relationship with Him. It's not about you just surviving. It's not about you waiting for the Antichrist. It's not about those things. It's about you coming into relationship with Him. If you will live your life with intimacy with Him, you will fulfill what you were created to be. There, that came on. So, well, now that that's on, we've got to stop. It's too cold in here. I'm going to, I want to pray with y'all. Desiree, do you have an ending song? Okay, we'll do that one. I'm going to pray, and then we'll sing our last song, and we'll be done. Ma'am, can you stop distracting for three seconds? Sorry. Thank you. Everybody was looking at her. I'm not saying you have to look at me, but we're going to pray. I just needed three seconds to pray to Jesus, you know, anyways. Oh, that's more important than anything to me, too. But Jesus is pretty important, too. So we we can wait a little bit. And then you can distract everybody all you want. Man, let's just pray. God is good. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your truth. Lord, I just pray right now that these words would pierce inside of us and that it would draw us into an intimate relationship with you. Lord, I just pray that, that all of these things would settle our spirits inside of us and would bring truth out and that it would actually encourage us to go, yes, I want to come to Jesus in an intimate relationship. I want to know, I want to walk with him every single day of my life, in my job, and in my work, in my sleeping, or my raising, and all these things, I want to walk with you, Jesus, because that was the purpose and the price that you paid so that I could do that. Lord, move us into a deeper love with you that we would come into your holy of holies and that we would commune with you. And God, is, I pray that you would just soften our hearts to this and that we would buy this precious gold of your truth and that we would believe you. So Lord, I pray that you would bless every person here, that as we go through the week, you would just pour out your love and begin to speak to each one of us individually and that we would come back rejoicing. In the name of Jesus, amen.